Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish Well, good morning, gang, Christmas. and welcome to New Southern Garden. It's, it's December. I hope it's not too early to be playing some Christmas tunes, some Christmas jams. I, I guess the rule would, a safe rule would be, hey, after Thanksgiving, we can start listening to Christmas music. <laughs> We're getting closer to the end of the year, but it's not the end of the gardening year. Because really there's never an end to the gardening year. The gardening calendar lasts for a long time. All year long there is something to do in the landscape. And especially now more than ever. Because as I, I try to remind you every, every week, that now is a great time, if you haven't started, to start or to continue planting trees, shrubs, perennials. Folks, there is so much there's so much benefit to planting over the fall and into the uh, winter. Yeah. Sometimes we're worried that our plants are going to suffer from the winter temperatures, but if you're planting hardy plants, remember hardy plants are plants that can handle our winter in our area. So tropical plants, we call them tropical because they don't handle our winter. They like it very warm. But there are plenty of plants. I mean, in the south, particularly the southeast, we can plant all kinds of things that don't mind our summers and can handle the coolest temperatures that we get in the winter. So the idea, of course, is that use this time to make preparations uh, to get your garden, to get your landscape looking good for the upcoming impending is that the word <laughs> holiday of course christmas is around the corner and you know it's, it's a great time to be thinking about uh what you're going to do you know we're decorating inside but are you decorating outside are you adding evergreen plants of course this time of year nothing says christmas in the landscape like hollies right we've got that dark green and uh dark green leaves and bright red berries and of course they make great cuttings that can be brought in or made into a wreath so there are some wonderful plants that if you don't have in your landscape you may want to think about as we come across this holiday season and really before we get into any of the details of today's program i do want to mention that at lanier nursery and gardens where you can find me throughout the week in flowery branch georgia we have what we're calling the 24 planting days uh, 24, no, 24 days of planting. Let me get this right. The 24 days of planting sale. And basically we've put some of the greatest selections of plant material, some things that you may not be familiar with, but we know are awesome plants for some reason or another. We're putting them on sale, buy two, get one free. So you can really start stacking up and stocking up on filling your landscape out. If you take this cool season to plant your plants design your space, take advantage of this uh, December sale at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, then by the time spring comes, if you 
plant over the winter, you're going to have a brand new garden. You'll have new plants coming up from the ground, new leaves and flowers dangling off of branches, and you can really benefit those plants by planting them in the cool season when the plants are not actively growing. When a plant is not actively growing, it does not need a lot of extra things, including water, nutrition, As a matter of fact, if you plant over fall or winter, there's really no reason uh, to give lots of fertilizer, if any, because the plants aren't really going to use it. But what they do do is over winter, while the ground is very warm, essentially, (laughs) it takes a long time for ground soil temperature to, to cool down. But while the ground is warm, those plants will be Again, and, and start getting away from that container root ball and spreading out and growing into your garden soil. So by the time spring comes and the heat and uh, drought potentially of, of winter, of summer, you will find that those plants that were planted in the fall, in the winter, are going to really stand out and and give you, uh, you'll have two, maybe three times the amount of, of root system that you would have had if you planted in the spring and summer. And those plants can fare through the drought and dry days of uh, next year, next spring, next summer, e- even more so than a plant that is put in the ground in the spring. So I know it's cold for us, but it's not cold for hardy plants. Plants that can handle our lowest temperatures will be just fine. No need to protect them except mulch the ground uh, underneath them, around their root system, so that they have a nice warm blanket, keeping the ground warm enough for that root development that we all need. Well, that the plants need. I don't know if you and I need root development or not, but anyhow, so today we're going to talk about trees, actually, um, but I'm sort of going to start with a story and then connect all these things and lead us into the discussion about trees. First of all, let's talk about the Lavender Garden update. I haven't talked to you about Lavender Garden at at our house in in a while, mainly because I haven't done much out there. The last step that I took, of course, was to uh, draw bed lines on the ground. Uh, i mentioned that I used a string to get my initial line and then use spray paint to paint over the string so I could remove the string so the ground still has the lines for me to uh, follow the beds and the pathways, Uh, but the string's not in the way of digging and moving soil. So that's where I left off. And I'll tell you, that we have recently broken ground on the patio area. We're digging that out, make a nice level surface so we can um, have, have a nice seating space, uh, working on the pathways, uh, but, but haven't started on the beds. And so I'm not moving as quick as I'd hoped. And I'll tell you why, mainly because I'm married and I had some little, what do they call them, honeydew projects, honeydew lists or whatnot. Uh, my wife, Sam, has found an... I guess it's antique. It's probably made in the 60s or so. A piece of furniture, a dresser for our bedroom, and then one for our one-year-old son, Ezra. Uh, So I've been in the garage refinishing, refinishing furniture, stripping down the old layers of paint and poly and stain, and then making them our own. I don't really love refinishing furniture. I'd definitely much rather be out there moving soil. But it's been a fun process. And I'll tell you what the reality is. Um, We've been watching, maybe it's my fault because I do turn it on. Uh, 
But we've been watching a lot of the old uh, fixer-upper shows. I think it was an HGTV, and now they're replaying them on the streaming services. The uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines program, where they go in and redo houses for folks, you know, buy a fixer-upper and then remodel it. And so I think that's given her a lot of inspiration. And like I said, it may be my fault. Maybe I should make sure we're not watching so many of those fixer-upper shows. Uh, but <laughs> here we are, and I'm still working on, I've I finished our dresser, so that's freed me up, but I'm in the middle of working on the dresser for Ezra, so I haven't got to the lavender uh, garden lately. However, while we were watching this Fixer Upper program, and I'm not critiquing, folks, I'm not critiquing, I'm not saying anything bad or wrong, well, I guess I am saying something's bad and wrong with the landscapes in those shows, but I've noticed on some of the uh, more recent episodes we've watched, of course, uh, Chip and Joanna's, Joanna Gaines, their, their company is called Magnolia, Magnolia Realty, Magnolia whatever, um, so they've started at least, uh, I think we're on um, season three, so I know it goes back a few years, but... Around season three, they start adding a magnolia tree right to the front of every house now. I've noticed that, which is okay. It's great to have a magnolia tree in your landscape. It's wonderful. However, every time they show those, you know, finished product, finished house shots, and they're moving the camera around, you can get really good shots of how close they have been planting those magnolia trees to the house, to the structure. And folks, in some cases, these magnolias have been planted three or four feet, what appears to be three or four feet, right off the house. Sometimes it's on the corner, sometimes it's right off the porch, the front porch. But looking at that just pains me a bit. And like I said, I'm not some kind of, um, you know, I'm not trying to critique what's going on. The reality is, though, is for any tree, especially a magnolia, which has the potential in getting mm, twin, definitely 20, depending on cultivar, but potentially 50, 60 feet wide. Now, that's in a long time. I understand that. But those poor homeowners who spent so much money on that <laughs> fixer-upper are going to have to deal with a huge tree just looming growing into the deck. And the main issue with planting a tree just three and four feet away from the house is the root system, is the root system. So you've got the canopy problem, right? And with a magnolia, it's not so bad because magnolias have a wide base and a shallow top. So they're that cone pyramidal shape uh, that so many evergreens are. But with a maple and an oak, you also have that high canopy. So sure, you can limb it up and you can have a nice, smooth, straight stem uh, or trunk. But at some point, you're going to have this flush of branches that gives you that shade uh, that, of course, maples and oaks and, and other trees are known for. So you do have a couple of concerns when you're planting trees near a house. And that's where I'm transitioning all of that story. You see the connectivity there? I thought it was nice. We go from Lavender Garden to me redoing furniture to the Chip and Joanna Gaines show to them planting magnolias too close to the house. And that gave me this idea that we probably need to talk about, take this winter time, uh, thinking about installing new trees, installing new shrubs, uh, but particularly the trees, 
What are some special concerns, some special considerations that you may need to consider or think about? I guess that's the same word. What are some special considerations that come with planting, uh, spacing, growing trees? And it's critical because in the case of the magnolia being planted so close to the foundation of a home or a structure, any kind of building, uh, over time, you may have some issues. You won't have issues right off the bat. It could be a decade. It could be 15 years. Uh, but depending on how close that plant is to the house, it could be a major concern. So there are a, a list of considerations that I, I want to give you. Uh, if you're thinking about installing trees, I was with a client this past week in their landscape. Uh, they want some deciduous trees planted along the back property line so they can have a little protection and I went through about spacing them how far off the property line they should go and so there are when you're installing big trees or plants that will become big trees you've got to think on planting day or before how you're going to go about it because when a maple or when an oak or when a magnolia reaches a decent size near to maturity it's very difficult to move them. <laughs> you can really only make w one pruning cut very low to the ground and just get it out of there. But if we have a little insight, a little forethought on how close to the house, how close together, what about the pruning, uh, what about staking them, do I need to worry about that? And then I do want to wrap up the show today with talking just about how trees grow. So we're going to get a little botanical uh, for a portion of the program. But I think that uh, by explaining to you how a tree, really it's how all plants grow, but because trees in general are the largest plant in the landscape, knowing how they uh, expand, how they develop, how the wood is formed, how the bark is formed, I think will help you sort of uh, with these considerations that you may need to think about when you're planting a tree. Remember... When you bring in a young tree from a nursery, whether it's in a small gallon size container and it's only a couple of feet tall or whether it's in a large pot, a large container, and it may be much taller than a person, maybe as tall as your roof line, your gutter line. No matter the size of a plant, those are still relatively young trees. You don't... It would be a rare cases to buy a fully mature tree. I've mentioned that Walt Disney World has bought fully mature trees before, and they've shipped them. They have moved them from one part of the country down to Florida. Uh, but we, you and I probably won't be doing that. I know I sure won't. So those small trees become big trees, and we don't want to have issues with them when they are big because when they're big, those issues are harder to deal with than if we dealt with those concerns at the planting date. So when we get back, we're going to talk about some special considerations when we're installing plants, uh, large trees. <laughs> Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at newsoutherngarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the new Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, before the break, I was telling you that uh, my wife Sam and I have been sort of getting inspiration for furniture and design inside of our house by watching that old Chip and Joanna Gaines show, Fixer Upper. I think it originally aired on HGTV. But while we're watching that show, I noticed that at some point during the show, maybe about season three, uh, they start using a magnolia planted in front of every home. Maybe one, maybe two. And it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I want to have magnolias planted in front of my home. But they were planting these, plant, these trees very close to the foundation, to the siding of the house, just three or four feet away from the house. And in general, it doesn't matter so much how close you plant plants to your house as long as they're not trees. So today we're going to talk about special considerations when you are either planting plants, uh, planting trees, or if you are going to be trimming them, limbing them, special concerns that they have that you need to consider before you start bringing them out. I want to make sure with everybody I talk to, um, whether they're buying plants from me at the nursery, Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. We've got a great December sale going on, so check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for those details. Uh, or if they're just asking me questions. If they're asking me questions on how to grow, anytime I give an answer, I want to make sure that the folks are not just going to be happy with it the day they plant it, but that they're happy with it for many, many years to come. And when it comes to trees, you can be happy with them uh, for a short period of time. Then as they start getting older and growing much larger, if they weren't placed in the right position or pruning uh, didn't happen to them appropriately, then those things start to show after many years of being planted. So I want to make sure that you are well satisfied with your choices of where they're planted, when to prune, how to prune, and what things to prune, and should we stake them. Uh, and later we're going to talk about how trees, and really it's in general how plants grow, but uh, it's really important for us to understand how all of that woody structure is made by the plant year after year. Uh, Plants add more wood, and of course, bark sloughs off the outside. Where does all that come from? We're going to talk about that later. But the very first thing that I want to address when it comes to these special concerns for planting trees is to address the issues that I saw on that TV show, uh, Fixer Upper. First of all, we don't want to plant trees too close to the house. That kind of goes without saying, I guess. But what is the recommendation? Well, modern, uh, modern horticultural research tells us or recommends to us not to plant a tree, so oak, maple, even ornamental trees like Japanese maples and uh, red buds or service berries. We talk about those too. Uh, or if they're uh, a thick evergreen like arborvitae or cryptomeria, uh, what was the one? Magnolia. That's the one they're planting on the Fixer Upper Show. 
we don't want to plant any of these trees. If it falls in the category of tree, we don't want to be any closer to the house than 10 feet. So what you've got to start with before you start digging your planting hole for your tree is to grab a tape measure, grab a yardstick or pace it out if you know uh, how, how far your paces are. But regardless, you want to put a flag or put a stake or spray a dot on the ground or put a rock at 10 feet. And then look at that and say, is that a good position for this plant to go? If not, don't go any closer to the house, but be sure to pull it further away from the house. When it comes to shrubs, not such a big deal. They can be planted. Their root systems are not very large. Their roots do not get very thick. Uh, Well, certain ones do. But in general, trees, look for that 10-foot mark. We do not want to plant trees any closer to the house than 10 feet. Now, another concern would be, other than the house itself, how close can you plant trees together? And one of the best things to do is look at nature. Go into the woods. Go to a park. Uh, You can find parks in town, and you can find trails and hikes in the woods and in the mountains. So go into the nature. Go into woods, into the woods, wherever, you know, it's not a garden per se, where nature is planting all of the trees. And look at how close those trees are. Some cases, they are literally growing side by side. So, again, what modern horticulture uh, recommends is you can plant plants, whether it's perennials or trees or shrubs, they can go as close together as you like. Obviously, they can go as far apart as you like, but if you need to push them tighter for a certain effect or for a certain goal, then you can plant plants as close as you like. Let me give you an example. So uh, this week, I mentioned on the uh, last segment that we I was consulting with a client at their house in their landscape, and they want to plant some uh, deciduous trees along the back property line, and... I started to recommend just three. And she said, well, I want them to grow in faster. And I said, well, that's okay too. You can go as thick, as dense as you like. Now that's, yes, coming from a guy who sells plants to feed his kids, but the horticultural research does support planting trees as close as you like. It is okay to do that. So she went from six, maybe eight, and It's going to look tight when the plants are bigger, but she does want a sort of screen, right? A deciduous screen. These trees are going to drop their leaves, but still having them closer is going to fulfill her goals. That's what's important. When you're planting trees, when you're designing your space to put these trees in, you've got to uh, think about the goal that you have and the plants will work for you. So her goal, of course, is she needs these plants to grow together and fill in quickly So that supports the goal of planting them closer. Planting them closer supports the goal of getting them to fill in faster. She doesn't want to wait. She doesn't have time to wait. She's got to get this uh, sort of psychological screen because it's not evergreen. It won't be thick and full in the winter. But still, she wants the branches there. She wants something to block her view from uh, the neighboring property. And so the main thing to do is to figure out your goals And then measure your space, see how many feet you have, if you're looking to do a screen or if you're looking to do a small grove of trees, and and then 
make the plants fit the space based on your goals. There are some concerns when you plant trees close together, and I mentioned this to my client this past week. I said, over time, as the canopies of these trees being planted closer than their mature size would allow, their branches will intertwine, they'll grow into each other, uh, they'll shade each other. Uh, But with the trees she's picking, like red maples, I believe it is, Uh, They're not going to kill each other, but branches may die off on the inside uh, where those uh, canopies start growing into each other. And you may have to do some pruning. You may have to drop some limbs eventually. But look at nature. Look out in the woods, in the forest, and you will see that plants can literally grow nearly on top of each other. But if you have your goal in mind, and you know what you want to do and what you want those plants to do for you, then having the forethought, having the insight, thinking it through, uh, marking your space. If, if you want a, a straight row of trees that's evenly spaced, you've got 50 feet and the trees get 20 feet, you could use two or three plants to sort of cover that. But if you do want this kind of um, long row of tree or what appears to be a long row of trees then yes planting more of them five six maybe seven in her case she's going to go with eight having that long row of trees uh, having more trees will make that space look even longer Uh, but if you just have a small corner that you want to fill maybe on the back side of your property what you can easily do is have a grouping of three you could put one and it would fill that corner, that small corner, but you could have a grouping of three trees. Now that will extend the shade. You'll have even more shade, uh, which is maybe what you're looking for. But that's what it's all about is trying to figure out the goal. Figure out your goal and you will find that the plants can work for you. So keep trees 10 feet off the house. But as far as how far apart to plant trees together, You can plant them together as close as you like. When we get back, we're going to talk about limbing up trees and pruning them because trees do need some help as they grow to keep healthy and shapely. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we're talking about special concerns, special considerations. I shouldn't say concerns. It's not really a concern issue, but special considerations that come along with growing trees, planting trees, maintaining trees. Trees are definitely an essential part of the landscape. Now, some trees, of course, get really big. Oaks and maples, cryptomeria, uh, arborvitae to some degree. I'd say it's sort of a mid-sized plant. But if, if you have a space that is small, there are small tree options. And we've talked about them before. Serviceberry, redbud, dogwood, uh, what, fringe tree, just a short list there. But if you've got a space where you need a big shade tree, 
you may want to consider adding an oak, a maple, something that is going to get quite large. But no matter your site, no matter your conditions, no matter the tree that you're growing, they all share some of the same considerations. Now we've already talked about how close to plant a tree to a house or a structure. And of course, that magic number is 10 feet. We do not want to plant a tree any closer than 10 feet to the house. So 10 feet and beyond is perfectly all right. But then as far as planting trees together, how close can they go? As close as you like. I already mentioned on the last segment that you need to consider your goals. What is the goal for that tree or that row of trees or that grouping of trees? What are you trying to do with them? We do have to sort of get an idea, measure our space, our planting space, see how much actual space we have, and then space the plants appropriately, equally, maybe not equally, if you want to have sort of a natural looking uh, grouping of trees. But trees and other plants can be planted as close as you like. Now, when it comes to trees, they do take some, some uh, maintenance for, for a bit or in some strange cases. Every once in a while, perhaps. <laughs> don't want to say that trees are high maintenance because they're not. They are probably some of the lowest maintenance plants because if it's okay that a plant grows as tall as a tree does, then it's not really in the way. It's really the shrubs, the perennials, that need the trimming to stay in shape because they're right on our ground level, our eye level, if you will, and they tend to need a little extra care from us. But once a tree gets up and growing, there's few concerns. Now, when the life of the tree has run its course, as all living things do, there is that big concern of how do we get it out here? How do we get it out of here? If it's dead or if it's dying and it's, you know, been looked at by a certified arborist who says, yeah, it's got to come out, then that is probably one of the uh, most co biggest considerations to think about. But I'm not going to be talking necessarily about dead and dying trees so much. We'll talk about how trees do uh, deal with disease maybe in the last uh, part of today's show. But the next thing after we've planted them, we've spaced them appropriately from the house, we've spaced them appropriately from each other or with each other, uh, the next consideration I would uh, submit to you is what about pruning them, limbing them up? That is going to be the biggest thing. Let's talk about this limbing up thing. What, am I, what do I mean? When I say limbing up, I mean limb, L-I-M-B, limbing them up. That literally means taking lower branches away and making sure that the uh, lowest branches are high up in the canopy of the tree or above our heads. Um, if you mow around a tree, you would definitely want to limb up the lowest branches so you can mow around the tree without having to duck uh, or get smacked in the face with thick branches and uh, tiny branches too. Those can be just as painful, I know from experience. But the idea of limbing up a tree is that it does raise the canopy. That allows some extra light to come in below the tree where you can have maybe some small plantings. It may, if it's a big shade tree, you may have to go with plants that can handle shade. But if you limb them up, you can increase the amount of sunlight to any plant underneath the tree by just removing those lower branches. And like I've already alluded to, 
limbing up is critical when we're walking near trees. We don't want those low branches where they're uh, head height (laughs) or lower because we can't get around it and we may hurt ourselves. And of course, when you're maintaining the lawn or any space around, it's just a pain to have to deal with low hanging branches. And as a tree grows, as its branches elongate, the weight is increased on that branch. And you may find uh, over the course of several years that a branch that once was not in the way is now sort of hanging down in the way. Of course, there are more branches as the plant grows and the the extra weight that's added. So it may be um, time for that branch to be removed. So limbing up is not just a one and done, but limbing up can occur over the course of uh, the tree's life. When it comes to removing limbs, remember, most likely, uh, the largest limbs will be near the uh, bottom of the tree's canopy, which is going to be the area where you and I are removing the branches to limb them up. And when it comes to pruning, I remember in in a plant school at the University of Georgia, uh, our professor, Dr. Smalley, he said, he asked the whole group, he said, what is the best pruning tool? The room went silent as people were thinking, students were thinking, pondering, what is the best pruning tool? And I mean, some people said uh, bypass shears, which are good pruning tools. Some people said uh, loppers, you know, and none of those were right. At least it's not what the professor was looking for. What Dr. Smalley was looking for was the answer, your fingertips. And then the room went silent because we were trying to think, what does he mean, your fingertips? you got to use your fingernail and chisel away a branch. He said, your fingertips are the best pruning tool because the best time to prune a plant is when the growth is young and can be easily removed. So if you have little low-hanging branches, remove them while they're little. Whenever we allow a low-hanging branch to grow and eventually has to be removed, if that uh, branch is more than four inches in diameter, that is a big pruning cut. And it's a potential that beyond four inches, that pruning cut may never heal. So the idea that pruning is wounding and that making a small cut is the best thing we could do, using our fingertips to pinch things off. Now I understand what Dr. Smalley was saying. But when he asked the question, like I said, the whole room went silent because what do you mean your fingertips? But The idea is that we remove plant material while it's young because it can recover from small wounds and not so well from large wounds. So you'll go through town and you'll go into the wood. Of course, Mother Nature is a messy pruner. Branches just break and fall all the time. But in the landscape, you go around town, go to the parks and stuff, you'll see where sometimes large, huge branches are removed. And those trees never really heal from that kind of, um, from that kind of, of wound. So be sure when you're limbing things up to get them while they're still young and the plant can easily heal that wound. Now, when you're talking about pruning, when we talk about pruning trees, other than limbing up and removing low-hanging branches, we do want to prune diseased wood out anytime, diseased or dead wood. If there are branches that are not full of leaves, maybe they're turning black, maybe they're starting to decay, those branches have to be removed. 
Um, we're going to talk later about how plant. Actually, let's talk about this now. Let's talk about how a plant deals, how a tree in particular deals with decay. Because you go into the woods and you can see, we have some on our property, of course, uh, large oak trees. There's actually a poplar tree at our house that the entire center, you can look through. You can stand on one side of the tree and look through the trunk, and you can see what's on the other side. So you've got a lot of living growth on the outside, but there's sort of a a big notch in the middle, and it's just completely, it's got to go because I'm afraid it's going to fall. But it's not that bad yet. So plants do this strange thing where we, we call it compartmentalization. The, the way that a plant is designed is uh, designed in such a way that if decay gets into the wood, if decay goes in, uh, starts at a branch and works its way down, there are little compartments that as the tree has grown, it's sort of created. Um, and when decay gets into one compartment, it will, this compartmentalization aspect of tree growth, it will stop it from going into other compartments. Trees are very unique, they're, well, and plants. Uh, they're, they fend off disease by, obviously, they, uh, they can't do like we do and go get treatments. Now, you could go and treat them uh, for certain diseases and whatnot, but once decay gets in there and that wood is dead and rotting, it has this natural defense to basically wall off or shield off that decay from going into other parts of the tree. It's spectacular. It's amazing when you think about it, that a plant can just stop it. Now, of course, our bodies, we don't grow like trees, so a disease can spread quickly. It can get into our blood system and really move. Uh, But with a plant, they do have these natural defenses that can just keep decay in one section of the tree while the rest of the tree continues to grow for many, many years. Now, usually, eventually, that compartmentalization breaks down and uh, decay starts creeping in into other areas. So you've got to be on the lookout when you have a plant that is sick. Now, other than cutting out and pruning out diseased or dead wood, which is critical, it is a good idea for trees that create these water sprouts or suckers. Uh, Those should be removed from all of your trees. So a water sprout is where when you look up in the canopy of a tree, And your branches are normal. They sort of go out and grow away from the tree. But if you see branches somewhere up in there, they could be coming off of another large, larger branch. But if you see a stem that is going straight up into the air, it's not in the same pattern. It's not in the same fashion. Um, If you see those long, straight shoots that look like another young tree inside of this this canopy. That is a water sprout. Now, water sprouts are very vigorous. They sort of can just happen as the tree wants to, but um, they're very vigorous, and they actually, these water sprouts, they remove a lot of nutrition, a lot of water from the plant. That's kind of how they get their name, the water sprout. They are pulling and sucking a lot of juice that otherwise the important parts of the plant could use the normal growing parts of the plant. So removing water sprouts and of course suckers are those little things that pop up around the base. They stay kind, they grow fairly fast, but they grow up from the root system or right near the trunk, the base of the trunk of the tree. And those like water sprouts are sucking a lot of water, sucking a lot of nutrition away from the root system that 
other parts, more important parts, slower growing parts of the plant could utilize. So removing water sprouts and suckers is going to be critical. Now, one other thing that we tend to not look for are branches that are crossed and branches that are rubbing each other. If you have branches that are growing not away from the trunk, but towards the trunk and crossing through the tree, that is poor form. And most times those will find, as they get bigger, they will find another branch to rub up against. So when we are pruning our trees, we've got to think about limbing them up, removing lower branches. We also have to think um, about removing any diseased wood or any dead wood. We want to remove those water sprouts and suckers that are just sapping out, sucking up all kinds of energy from the plant. And of course, any branches that are rubbing each other or crossed, that is just an open wound. Rubbing branches create open wounds and potential for more disease. Well, folks, when we get back from this break, we're going to talk about staking or not staking your tree. And then we'll uh, end the program with how trees grow, how they develop, how they get bigger. So hang on tight. We'll be right back. Hey, gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, of course, that was my Eden Rose button, and she's encouraging us to give planting trees, maintaining trees a go. Trees are wonderful creatures. Of course, trees are essentially the largest plant that we know on Earth. Now, some trees are larger than other trees. Of course, the most massive being the, the redwoods out in California, huge trees. And they've been growing for a long time. Of course, you like me, may not need a redwood that's reaching hundreds of feet in the air. Um, But we can have some large trees, oaks, maples. I mean, ginkgos are are wonderfully large trees with great fall color, but we can also have small plants. We can have small trees, uh, ornamental trees, but they all come with the special considerations. And that's what we've been talking about on today's program. We've been talking about special uh, trees and their special considerations. And Before you even plant, these are things you need to consider, things you may want to know. We've talked about how close to the house we should plant trees, what is the appropriate or recommended based on modern science, horticulture. How close can we plant trees to the house? How close together can we plant trees? And before the break, we were wrapping up talking uh, about limbing them up and pruning them. Because, of course, just like all plants, trees need some pruning. They need some encouragement uh, to grow. They need to be pruned if there's diseased wood, dead wood. We don't want decay to infiltrate the trunk of the tree. We want the tree uh, to, to be strong, to be full of hardwood rather than rotted dead wood. And of course, as trees get older, 
I guess just like people. Things change, you know, and trees have a life too. Now, many trees are going to outlive you and me once we plant them. And of course, that old saying that the true gardener understands that he is planting a tree under which it's shade. He will never sit. We are planting for future generations, especially when it comes to trees, because they are so long lived. And we want to make sure that they have everything they need to get there, to get to that long lived life. The next consideration you may want to uh, think about is, and it's really a question that most folks who buy trees have, and that is staking. And I would say that probably mm, seven or eight times out of ten when someone purchases a tree uh, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flyer Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week, when they purchase a tree at the nursery, probably seven or eight out of out of eight, seven or eight times out of ten, they ask, do I need to stake it? And that is a, a big concern. It's a big consideration, something to think about. In reality, it is better to not stake plants if they don't need it. Now, if you are bringing in a very big tree that's, that's already big, maybe 10 to 14 or 16, 18 feet tall, which... I don't sell many of those, I'll tell you that. But um, if you are bringing in a tree that big, then you may need some kind of staking because the root ball will be big. It'll be massive, but it may still not be heavy enough to keep the tree upright. Or if you're planting on a slope, or if your trees are going somewhere where uh, it's very windy. Those are all things. Uh, Large tree, planting a large tree on a slope, and planting in a windy site that may dictate if you need staking or some kind of strapping system for that tree. The The main goal of staking is to keep the plant upright until it's rooted in. Once a tree is upright and rooted in, then there's really no concern. The roots are the support. The roots are the vertical support for the tree. And so, with that being said, what modern uh, horticultural research tells us is that when we stake trees, if we need to stake a tree or any other plant, we do not want to stake it for longer than six months. Just six months. You see, when a tree does not have a stake, the wind sways the plant back and forth just a bit. And that little bit of swaying motion actually stimulates cells down at the collar or the uh, root flare of the uh, of the branch of the trunk down way at the bottom of the trunk that swaying action if the entire plant is moving back and forth just a bit just a bit then these cells are stimulated to strengthen they actually turn from sort of a general cell to a cell that is very rigid and very strong now if you stake a plant indefinitely and it never gets that sway in the wind, the, the stem is always vertical, always straight, never bending left or right, then it does create a very, as the plant grows, the plant's getting bigger, but the base is not getting any stronger. So staking is helpful for a short period of time. But I have seen cases, folks, where I'll go into a landscape, particularly at like larger subdivisions, where they've added big trees near the entrance, and they still have, even years after planting, still have the straps and the stakes attached to the tree. And in one case, uh, I drove by in this mature tree, I mean huge, it was a cherry tree, uh, ornamental cherry. This huge ornamental cherry had fallen over at the base because the stakes failed, 
and the tree was not strong at the base. And all the weight of the tree, after all those years of growth, it just couldn't handle it. Probably a, a good storm tipped it over. So if we want a strong tree, we've got to consider if we need staking, use it, but don't use it for very long. Now, I want to wrap up today's program with talking just a bit about the inside, <laughs> the insides, right? The guts of the tree. Of course, uh, trees do not have uh, organs like human that are trapped inside of their body. That Their organs are the roots. They are the stems. They are the leaves. They are the flowers. But uh, unlike humans, just like humans, plants have a vascular system. Now, vascular system is that like our arteries and veins inside of our body. One is moving oxygen and one is moving deoxygenated blood. But in the trees and plants, the vascular system is made up of two tubes uh, like arteries and veins, but they are called xylem and phloem. Now, we are getting botanical here, but let me explain what they do. The xylem pipes, if you will. They are much like pipes, cells that are built into a pipe structure that move uh, water and sugars. The xylem runs water from the root system up, well, I should say water and nitrogen, fertilizer, stuff like that. It runs it from the root system up into the stems and into the branches and into the flowers. Now, the other tube is phloem, and phloem <laughs> starts in the leaves when the plant is uh, photosynthesizing and it's turning all of the water and the oxygen and those nutrition into sugars. Uh, the sugar that's created is sent down the phloem pipes from the leaves into the branches, down in the stem, and towards the root. So the roots are feeding the shoot and the shoot is feeding the root. Of course, they're both feeding the entire plant. But what happens with a tree is as it ages, you know trees have those rings, right? And those rings represent years of growth. You've got spring growth, which is thick, and summer growth, which is thin. So two rings makes about a year's time. But regardless, the rings are actually old, dead xylem. And the bark that is hanging on the outside of the tree is dead phloem tubes. So as the tree swells in diameter, what happens year after year is a new layer of xylem is built, a new layer of phloem is built. The xylem tubes build the wood of the tree, which can still move some water. But once it's dead, it's dead. And then, of course, bark is dead as well. And so with all that being said, you've got this strange system where plants are growing from the inside out. Literally, from the inside out, they just get thicker and thicker, thanks to the xylem making the wood of the plant and the phloem pushing outwards as it dies, making the bark. Well, gang, for WRWH and New Southern Garden, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. 